Just a couple of quick notes of what God has laid on my heart. Um, I was listening to Brother Ciro this morning, and I leaned over to Holly, and I said, Holly, he's preaching my sermon. He's <laughs> preaching what I was going to speak about tonight. And Holly goes, well, then I guess God wants us to hear, hear a double dose. And although it's not exactly the same, um, there's been a running thread over the past couple of weeks um, from pastor, pastor, his message last week in the morning, if you remember, he said, if you're going to do something for God, choose or do it to the best of your ability, do it a hundred percent. This morning uh, in the teen class, I had the privilege of teaching them um, about Joseph and Potiphar's wife and the fact that Joseph had to make some decisions and had to choose. This morning, Brother Zero talked about choices. Well, tonight we're going to be talking specifically about choices. And he said something that rang true with what I have here, and that is you can read about people that have made outstanding choices throughout all of the Bible. And we're going to visit a couple of those today and uh, tonight and go with everything. So Joshua chapter 24, we're only going to read the one verse out of it, but there's more verses that are going to be coming. As a matter of fact, we're going to make it uh, we're going to make it three verses, beginning in verse number 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Please stand. I'm sorry. And in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, I give this message to you. Lord, I thank you for laying these truths on my heart. And I just pray that the encouragement that you showed me through these verses, Lord, will pass on to those that are listening tonight. Father God, Lord Jesus, this is all about you tonight. It's not about me. It's not about anybody here in this service. It's about you. Lord, we need to put you first. I ask that you increase while we decrease. Lord, I lift this up to you. I lift this service to you. If anyone doesn't know you tonight, I pray that they will get that taken care of tonight before it's too late. Lord, we love you. Let everything that's said and done glorify and honor you, Jesus, for it's in your name that we pray, and for Christ's sake we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. Joshua here is getting ready to take the children of Israel across the Jordan River to occupy the land that God had promised them. 
and he knew, and they were warned by Moses and by God himself to be careful, not to fall in and marry with the people of the land because God knew that they would choose to worship their gods that they served, and that's gods with little g's. Isn't it true, isn't it funny today that the world hasn't really come that far? There's new things out there that people hook into that were the same as it was way back when. It's interesting, we were discussing this this morning in Sunday school, it's interesting that Satan's lie has never changed. It's the same. It's always been the same. The only difference between when he lied with Eve about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and now, is he's repackaged it. We were discussing it, the shoes of the 60s and 70s, and it was women's shoes in particular. Today, they've got platform shoes. I remember my sister wearing those things. And I told them, they all reminded me as a male child of the same thing. I always thought, they're trying to be Frankenstein. These big old shoes, and they walk that way. And it's like, I was just waiting for the arms to come out. And I make light of it, but here's reality. Those shoes, that style, did exactly what my mom and my grandmother always said. Came full circle. The only difference between then and now is they've been repackaged and the names changed. Shoes are still functional. They're still doing the same thing. If you remember earth shoes, (laughs) I had a pair of earth shoes. They said they make you feel like you're walking on the sand all the time. Well, that was cool. It was a cool feeling. They were made so that the heel of your foot was actually lower than your toes. Nowadays, they get shoes that are actually look like feet. If I wanted to wear shoes that look like feet, just take my shoes off and go barefoot. If I wanted to feel like I'm walking in sand, I'll go to the beach and I'll walk in the sand. You get the same effect. So what's this got to do with anything? It's got to do with choices. You see, there's different types of choices that we go through And I've listed three tonight. And two of them really are inconsequential, but it's that third one. It's that third one that's going to make all the difference in the world. The first type of decision that we make is trivial. We all deal with them. We all make the same trivial decisions. What should I wear today? Or you're out at Walmart buying your favorite clothes, the expensive part of town. What would look good on me? Would this shirt look good on me? Will it bring out the colors of my eyes? That's trivial. Does it really matter? Who are we trying to impress? You know, I want to look good for my wife. I want my wife to look good. But that's a vanity thing. Does that make a difference? Does God really care what I look like? Does God really care whether I wear the most expensive piece of clothing to walk around this earth and to try and impress my fellow man? No, he doesn't. to God it doesn't matter. God's concerned with what's on the inside. 
So am I wearing clothes to please other people? Or are the clothes I wear functional for my walk with God? Do they detract from the fact that I want to represent Christ in this lost world? Or do they add to the fact that I am a child of God? That everything that I have, everything that I own, or everything that is in my charge was given to me by God. Because 100% belongs to God. The second choice is prudent choices. Do we make prudent choices? And these are all wise choices. But, for instance, should I drive a Ford, or a Nissan? Should it be blue, or should it be white? Should it have an eight-cylinder with like a million horsepower under the hood so I can be financing this government just by my tickets alone? Or should I drive it with a little four-cylinder motor, or even the Subaru three-cylinder that maybe might, if I'm lucky on a good day going downhill, get up to 20 miles an hour. You see, these are choices we make. This choice, the prudent choice, makes a, has a direct impact on the very mortal lives we live here on earth. For instance, those of you who are raising a family or have raised a family, can remember the day when you did get a car, but when you chose to buy that car, was it functional for the family you had? Could you fit everybody into it comfortably? Did it get you from point A to point B? Did it get you from home to church and then back again? Now you notice every, the, these first two choices, I still put God in them. Because even though uh, they're being played off as simple little bitty choices, these choices are very important. Because they show what our true character is. They show what do we really look at when we're making our choices. I heard it today, and this is going to go along with the third type of choice I heard it this morning coming into church um, on uh, the Bible radio 101.1 and the preacher there was discussing who runs this government that we have who is the authority of this government and I asked that in the teens and they gave a good answer it's the president no well, it's Congress. No. It's the vice president. That's who it is. No, it's not. The authority of this government is we, the people. We're the ones who they are supposed to be working for. But you see, so many people have turned this around. And he, he, was, he brought this up because the Bible clearly tells us that we are to pray for those placed in authority over us. We're to pray for these people in Washington, D.C. We don't have to agree with them. 
We don't have to like what they do, but they were put in that position by God. We need to pray for them. And we need to ask God that they'll run this government according to his precepts, according to his principles and his priorities. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. So, how did he conclude this? He says, when we're praying for those that are placed in authority, we pray for them, but we need to be praying for our fellow man when they go to the polls to, for these elections, that they will seek God's will before they start pushing those buttons and casting those ballots. You see, in order to make a choice, we need to educate ourselves. We need to study it out, which brings us to this third choice. And this is the one we're going to talk about tonight, our spiritual choice. We all have spiritual decisions we make every moment of every day. Joshua here put something before the children of Israel. They said, if it seem evil to you to, unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. I can only speak for myself, but I've already chosen to serve God. And sometimes choosing to serve God doesn't really necessarily go with what the world tells me I should do. You see, choosing to serve God might make the difference between a promotion at work that would help my family to live a little better and not doing what God wants me to do or accepting the fact that I made a promise to God that I would serve him. And I believe that every word in his Bible is truth. We're reminded in, in Timothy that this was written by holy men of God. That, that, it was, that it's good for instruction, for correction. It's a manual. It's an owner's manual for our very lives. Basic, basic instructions before leaving earth. God didn't write this just to sit on a shelf and collect dust. God wrote this for us to, to open it and read it and glean from it all wisdom that we can know about God. This is our spiritual decision. Does he want me to have that promotion or does do I... Let that go so I can continue doing what God wants me to do. To me, that's a no-brainer. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. We are going to serve the Lord. If that doesn't meet with your approval, and all of my kids have been told this the same way, just like I was told by my parents, if that doesn't meet with your approval, there's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out because we're going to serve God. So, <laughs> excuse me, Joshua was giving a, a very simple, clear, precise choice. Who are you going to serve today? 
Who do you serve today? That's the question that was, was laid on my heart. Joshua urged the children of Israel, choose that very day whom they were going to serve, the false gods of their forefathers or the only true God. You see, there's many gods in this world still, gods with little g's. You got one named Muhammad. If you talk to an Islamic person, they're going to tell you, oh, we worship the same God. No, we don't. No, we don't. My God, nowhere in his word does it tell me that I have the, the ability and the authorization to go and marry a 10-year-old girl to please him. Read the Quran. It's in there. Nowhere does it say that God wants me to die for him. As a matter of fact, it was just the opposite. God loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us. And what did he ask for for in return? He didn't ask us to strap bombs to ourselves, go blow up a whole bunch of people, and then promise us a bunch of virgins when we get to heaven. That's not God's way of doing things. God gave us a free choice. God said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All we have to do, believe and trust what Jesus did that day on the cross. Accept his gift. It's not a gift until we reach out and accept it. Joshua made a very definite decision. As for me and my house, we will serve God. By this choice, Joshua showed God he loved him. When you make your choice, when you first get up in the morning, I've said this time and time again, I've heard lots of people say this. When you get up, do you thank God for waking you up? Do you make a conscious choice before your feet hit the floor to start your day communicating with God the Father? He's waiting for us. Before you go to bed, before you lay your your head down on your pillow at night, because I can, as sure as I'm standing here, I can say that probably 99.9% of everybody in this room have no problem when our heads hit our pillows we're out I it's just that way folks I can turn on the TV doesn't matter I lay my head on my pillow I'm out done think of it this way when you go to sleep at night do you have God on your mind you see because your mind never sleeps Is your mind going through the night thinking about God? Or is it thinking about things that should have happened in your life that you're upset about? Remember John 14, 15. It says, if you love me, and these are the words of Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. Brother Bill, what do you mean? We're supposed to follow the Ten Commandments? You know what? Jesus, when he came and he died on that cross, he fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. 
He fulfilled it. But here's the difference between <coughs> before Jesus went to the cross and now. Before Jesus went to the cross, we were expected to follow the law. God, when he gave Moses those Ten Commandments, knew we could never keep them. Those were meant for one thing, and that was to point us to Jesus Christ, that we needed help. So a sacrifice system was set up with the tabernacle. This way the children of Israel could come once a year and have the Levitical priest take their, their, their lamb and sacrifice it to God and then go in for the people and ask forgiveness for the sins throughout that year. And then the following year, they would have to do it again. Now here's the advantage. Here's the difference. We know we can never keep all, the, all of the commandments because God tells us if we break one of them, we've broke the whole law. So what is a person to do? God sent the perfect lamb. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for everybody's sin. Once and done. We can never lose our salvation. You see, we don't serve Muhammad. That's not the same God as Jesus. The God of the Bible is not the same God of the Koran. It's not the same God of the New Living Translation. It's not the same God. He is not the same God of the NIV. This book, the authorized version, King James 11, 1611, <coughs> Bible is God's holy word. I stand on this. This is what I live with. This is what I live for. And I urge you and I encourage you, if you like the other translations, don't go to them. Now, I'm not going to stand here and say I don't have a new King James Version in my house. I do. I've got three of them. They're good to study with. I have an Amplified Bible. A great Bible to study with. But I'm going to tell you, when I go out and I witness to somebody, it's this Bible I, I carry. Because I'm charged, when I gave my life to preach, I promised God to preach the whole counsel of God. I cannot take another translation and keep that vow with God. Why? Because they've taken words out. They've taken complete... Uh, Verses of scripture out, they've changed context. I'm sorry, I can't do that. And I don't apologize for not doing that because that's what I told God I would do. That's what pastor does. That's what every preacher that stands behind this pulpit does. They preach out of the 1611 King James Bible. And I praise God for churches like this that stand on it and still preach the entire truth. The truth is you accept Jesus Christ, the gift of God, as your personal Lord and Savior, or as Brother Ciro so aptly put it this morning, 
you'll end up in a place called hell. Eternally separated from God. You see, God has a plan. We as Christians need to understand that we will never understand what God's plan might be for our lives. But you do understand one thing. And here's the most important part, folks. Without Jesus Christ in your heart, without him in your life, you're not going anywhere except to that place of eternal separation. I don't want to go there. Like Brother Cyril said this morning, that was a place made for the fallen angels. God's only expanded us because, or expanded it because man has chose to go to it. God gives us free and clear choices. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to verses number 13 and 14. When we start out to be a Christian, God gives us a clear choice. And understand, it's our choice. God gives each and every one of us a free will. He puts that option in front of us. Verse 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. You see, Jesus was telling people at this point, and Jesus is telling us through his word, here's your choice, folks. You can stay on your path. You can take the broad path and, you know, you can live life and party all you want. But here's reality. You're not promised your next breath. I could die right now. And if I did not make that choice, I'd spend all of eternity separated from God in eternal torment. But I praise God that he tarried long enough To allow me to accept his son, Jesus Christ. Now I can, if I died right now, I'm not fearful of it. Used to be a time when I was. I'm not now. Because God changed my life. God presented his son before me through his Holy Spirit. And by his grace, I'm saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Anyone who's accepted Jesus, same thing for you. You see, it's about Jesus. It's not about me. I'm inconsequential. Think of it this way. As was stated this morning, pastor said it, (coughs) we are, our lives is but a vapor. Poof. We're gone. Oh, there's pictures, Bill. Everyone will remember you for years to come. Can I say that when I die and they start cleaning up everything that was that belonged to myself and my household, those pictures are going to be thought of 
Holly might hold on to them for a few years. Maybe my sons. But think of it this way. 10, 20, 30 years, nobody's even going to know who you were. Nobody's going to care. You see, you got men out there that have monuments built to them. That's the only reason we know who someone named Ronald Reagan was here. Or uh, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. Good, good examples. Thank you. Excellent examples. You know what? It doesn't matter whether, we, whether people know we were here or not. When I hear someone has passed that I loved, that I truly loved, or that maybe I didn't know them, a friend of mine, a friend of theirs passed, the very first question that comes to my thoughts, and I hope it comes to yours, did they know Jesus? Were they saved? Because let's, honestly, if we're having a memorial service for that person, the choice is gone. Their choice was made. It's done. Finished. Now they have to deal with the consequences. I think of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 to 18. Ruth loved her mother-in-law, Naomi. Man, those old adages when we were kids, they do such a great job. Joshua, Judges. Ruth, chapter 1, verses number 15 through 18. And it says, And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. You see, Naomi was willing to let Ruth go back. Orpah made her choice to go back to her family and to serve those gods. I don't know that Naomi thought any less of her. That's the choice that she was given. But I want you to see, what did Ruth choose? And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and here's the important part, and thy God, my God. Thy God, my God. (coughs) Excuse me. You see, there was, Ruth had a very dire wish. She wanted to serve the same God that Naomi was serving. She wanted to live for that God. Verse 17. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. You see, at that point, Ruth now came onto that even keel with Naomi. They now 
walk together in fellowship. You see, the hardest thing to realize when we do accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior is a lot of the people that we thought were friends, they're truly not friends. Naomi was willing that Ruth go ahead and make the decision to go back. Ruth didn't want that. Ruth liked what she had been experiencing from this Israelite, from Naomi. She liked the experience of God the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You see, she saw the advantage to being, to giving her life to God. God protected her. And what happened? She went back to Israel. She remarried the kinsman redeemer. What a story. You want to see a true love story? Turn off the TV and read the book of Ruth. You want a tearjerker? Read the book of Ruth. You see, anything you can see on TV, you can see 20 times better in here. And you don't have to have all the, all the, the defilement of the wickedness of TV. Boaz married Ruth. And took her under his arm. Moses. Go to Exodus 32. We're going to travel just a couple of different places tonight. Because I think this is important. We see what people in the Bible. In God's word. In the history of Israel. Chose. <coughs> Exodus 32. Beginning in verse number 25. And then Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Then Moses, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. You see, Moses came down off of Mount Sinai after being with the Lord, God told him to get down off the mountain because something was happening down in the camp of the Israelites. What was happening was they persuaded Aaron to make a golden calf, something more to worship, something that they were worshiping or that the Egyptians taught them about. And in their revelry, they got naked. They brought shame unto the children of Israel. Is it any wonder that God at that point wanted to destroy man? We have a history of wickedness. This, this world has a history of, especially if you watch the story of the children of Israel, you're going to see them come unto God. God's going to rescue them. And they're going to swear themselves to God, but give them a little bit of time, something happens, and they turn right back to going to Egypt. You see, I want you to understand, Moses here gave Israel a choice. The children of Israel were asked a simple question by Moses. Who is on the Lord's side? 
And I have to ask that today. I speak to people and when I speak to them, I'm talking of Jesus and I hear a lot of, you said it, you said it, brother. Oh, you know Jesus? Yes, I do. Oh, so if you were to die right now, do you know where you would spend eternity? Oh, I'd go to heaven. So if you came up to the pearly gates, you're ready to enter heaven. And Jesus himself is standing out there asking you why, should, why he should open the gates and let you in. What are you going to tell him? Well, I gave to the poor. I went to church every Sunday, Brother Jerry. We hear that a lot, don't we? <laughs> I love my brothers and sisters. Okay, do you? That's great. That makes you good people. Can I, can I make the statement right now? There's good people burning in hell right now. Separated from God. Because they thought they were good enough to get into heaven. God's not looking for good people. The Marines, I'm sorry Brother Clyde. The Marines are still looking for a few good men. God's not. God's looking for people that will follow him, that will love him, that will accept the sacrifice and the gift that his son gave to us that day on Calvary. The gift of his son that was crucified on a cross on, the, on Golgotha in the middle of Jerusalem, taken down, buried, and rose again three days later. God just wants you to accept that and trust by faith. If you accept him into your heart and into your life and start following Jesus, God just wants to know that you, you're doing that. That's all God wants from us is for us to love him. You see, love is a choice. Trust is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. These three words have one thing in common. Here's your English lesson, kids. English. See, tomorrow's MLK Day. You thought you were going to get a day off of school. Uh-uh. You're going to get it tonight. English 101. They're verbs, but they're also nouns. Look them up in the dictionary. So if they're a noun, <coughs> that makes love, trust, forgiveness something. Because a noun is a person, place, or thing. Sister Minerva, am I right? A verb is a word that shows action. You have to give action. You see, the Bible says, I'm to love people. I'm told to love my wife. So every morning, I get up. I choose in front of God to love my wife. I have to actively choose to love her. Think of it. The Bible says we love God because why? He first loved us. Quid pro quo. That's a legal term. Doesn't mean we have to. But we should. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then can I say 
you better love Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Because when you accepted him, good, bad, or indifferent, what's going on in your life, you accepted Jesus as your Savior. We're telling the kids today, you didn't accept Jesus Christ as your sugar daddy. You didn't accept him as someone that you run to to give you things every time you need something. God takes care of our needs. He knows what you need before you even realize it. You realize that? That's awesome. The Google app, Alexa, can't do that. You have to tell Alexa what you want. God knows what you want. God also knows what you need. God knew what you needed before you were born. So much so that thousands of years before each of you were born, he sent his son to die on the cross because we needed a savior. And he gave us a choice. Choose you this day who you, whom you will serve. Now, continuing with Moses. Okay, Brother Bill, so how does this show that Moses made this choice? Go over to Hebrews 11. I like tying the two together. You see, I've heard it said that... Um, the Old Testament is for, it's in the past. We don't have to pay attention to it. I'm going to tell you, I think we do, because it's part of the whole counsel of God. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in there. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse number 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, meaning when he was old enough, Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, Moses chose to suffer with his fellow children of Israel in bondage in Egypt. By faith, Moses, when he came to years, when he got old enough and realized he was Hebrew by blood, he made the choice. The choice was placed in his heart. Do I stay part of this Egyptian royal family and have everything given to me? Or do I take my rightful place as a child of God? Moses made the choice. He dropped himself into the mud pits. And he suffered. And he protected one of his Hebrew slaves and killed him and ended up going out into the desert for 40 years. So God could mold that piece of clay and molded him into one of the greatest, or if not the greatest leader that the children of Israel ever had. Did that mean that, did that, mean that he was perfect because he made that choice? By far, no. He wasn't perfect. As a matter of fact, to prove that, he didn't even get to enter into the promised land. 
because he got in the flesh and he did things that displeased God. And that's why Joshua went before the people and said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Moses chose God. The choices we make can bring glory to our Heavenly Father. You see, simple choices, folks. Simple choices brings glory to our Father. Finally, I want to look at one other (coughs) example. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. Many of you know this story. Luke chapter 10. It's the story of Martha and Mary. Jesus was visiting their house one day. As a matter of fact, it's from this passage that the song Broken and Spilled Out comes from. But I want you to see something here in the choice between two sisters. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, (coughs) which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she should help me, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You see, Martha, <coughs> Martha was upset because she was serving everybody. I think it's fair to say that Martha was concerned with what people were saying. We're concerned with making sure that everybody saw she was serving. And she wanted to make sure God, Jesus himself, knew she was doing all this work. And she wanted Jesus to tell Mary, get up and help. But what was the response? Jesus acknowledged Mary because Mary chose to stay and learn more about Jesus. About God. You see... These are choices that were made by these people. Mary was busy trying to please everyone while Mary or Martha was busy trying to please everyone while Mary wanted to learn more about Jesus. Are we making those choices today? A few moments ago I asked how many of us actually when we get up in the morning the first thing we do before we put our feet on the floor Do we take time to communicate with God and say thank you because he allowed us to wake another day? Or do we get up and just go about our business and when we finally realize we need to talk with God, we need to let God 
have a part of our lives? Do we go throughout the day and finally decide, oh, God, thank you. Thank you for helping me do this today. You see, we're instructed by Paul to give thanks for everything. You see, Paul didn't leave any stone unturned. He didn't say give things, give thanks for those things that just please us. No. He says pray, pray without ceasing. You know what? You don't have to stop every five minutes, drop to your knees and pray. Do you know you can pray driving down the road? Don't close your eyes. That would be a bad thing. You might get to meet Jesus a little faster than anybody else. But I don't know that that would please God. But you can pray as you're driving down the road. Every morning as I get on the bus, and this isn't to pat myself on, on the back. I've just gotten into this habit. Before my bus leaves its stall, I go down the aisle and I start at the back of the bus and all the way up and I pray for every child that's going to be on that bus. I ask that God place a hedge of protection around my bus and around each child sitting on that bus. Because you see, it's a big responsibility. Number one is to try and share Christ in a world where I can't do that legally. If I do, I go to jail. It's okay, I don't mind going to jail. If it's for God, I don't mind doing that at all. And if one of my kids on my bus asks me about Jesus, you can bet that I'm going to stop and I'm going to talk to that kid because that's my first priority. And it doesn't matter what CCSD would do to me. You see, I got a little Islam girl that rides on my bus, middle school. And I pray for her every day. She talks about her religion this and her religion that. And I can't openly go to her and say, can I share why Jesus is not in your religion? But I'm playing Christian music on my, on my radio. It's not loud, but it's enough they can hear it. And she's never complained once. That's the grace of God, folks. You see, her name's Amira. And this little girl, I want her to accept Christ. can't openly share Jesus except through the choices I make. Excuse me, I didn't want to get emotional. But I can't look at this world without getting emotional. I think when we forget that God wants us to make choices for him, I think sometimes we get too busy. And I think I think Jesus cries once in a while knowing that maybe we're too busy for him. We just celebrated his birth, the season of his birth. How many people 
and I know this sounds judgmental, and God forgive me if, if it is, how many Bible-believing, blood-bought, born-again people actually still remember that Jesus is the reason for the season? Were our thoughts on getting those gifts? Was that what it was all about? Or was it the fact that that day in a manger, or what that day represents in a manger, our Savior was born? And the most perfect, the only perfect person that ever walked the face of the earth, God with us. God came down from his throne in heaven and chose to walk amongst his people, to walk amongst his creation. Do we have enough time to where we can choose and say, God, what's going on? Sitting on a road in Texas, zero degrees, getting colder. My concern in the flesh is making sure Holly survived. When I finally settled down and it took Holly to settle me down, you know, God's perfect. God gave me a perfect help me. <laughs> perfect for me. I, I'll say it that way. To me, she's the most beautiful woman in this, in this world. But at that time, I was thinking, God, I can't let her die. But the very first thing out of my mouth was, what are you trying to teach me? What am I missing? Did I give that time to God? Or did I make a choice to be ashamed because I doubted my Savior? I doubted Him. And I asked forgiveness. And I know God forgave me. But it's still there in my memory. On this day, I doubted God. I made a bad choice that day. But you know what? <laughs> God's plan still won through. Because here's the encouragement, folks. God never turned his back on me. He was right there. When I had that doubt, he stood there with his hand on my shoulder saying, Bill, settle down. I got a plan. You need to trust. Maybe God's talking to one of you young folks and saying, I got a job for you. Maybe he's calling you now, just like when he called Moses to go lead the children of